That means you're going to heaven, and the devil can't do a thing about it. Amen? I said, let's just give God praise and glory. Amen? He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. All right, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter number 3. We're going to discuss a topic tonight that is really, really important. It, it, is, it is something that many Christians struggle with, and it's, it gets frustrating sometimes because people uh, have, a, have a desire to do the will of God, but they struggle, what is the will of God for my life? Well, there is so much to be said in Proverbs about God's will for our life. How many of y'all would like to be in the perfect will of God? How many of y'all know that's the happiest place you'll ever be? Sometimes, sometimes the will of God can be a little scary, though. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we think about, matter, matter of fact, some of the things I learned uh, for this lesson tonight to be able to share with you, I wish to God I'd have known this before it came time to me surrender the will of God because it would have made it a whole lot easier. Amen? And you, you'll see what I'm talking about here in just a minute. But I want you to look in, in Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look in verse number 5. I want you all to know, how thrilled to death I am to be able to be your teacher and your pastor in this place. I love this place. I love you. I love your enthusiasm. I love your excitement. I love the fact that it's hard to find a seat on Bible study night. This means you want to be here. Amen? And I thank you for that. It makes it a whole lot easier to teach when you know the people want what you have to offer. Amen? It's, it's like a cook going to the table and, and, and laying it out and working out there, and they don't never eat, and they never have an appetite. That, that gets old for the cook. Say amen. But when they come up and they clean and lick the porcelain off the plate, that'll make you want to pick up some more grub. Amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 3 in verse number 5. The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Now, that's not hard. With all thine heart. Now, that's hard. It says, lean not unto thine own understanding. And what, what that means is, uh, don't depend on what you can understand. Don't depend on what makes sense to you. Because there's going to be places that God brings you through that ain't going to make sense. Now, that's hard. But it says... It says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy precious shall birth burst out with new wine. That sounds good to me. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. I'm glad that God will get us back on the straight and narrow. I'm glad. Now, correction don't feel good. It never feels good. It, I, I, I remember correction all my life, and I've never enjoyed it. I've never liked it. Uh, I, but I, I have learned now to appreciate it because it was for my best interest. And, and it was always done out of love. And I'm glad to know that God will get us where we need to be. Amen? Amen. I want, I want uh, Brother Sharp, good to have you with us tonight. And uh, I want you to lead us in prayer. And uh, we need the anointing tonight. We really do because this is really important. This is going to help a lot of people. And uh, if you don't mind, if you'll talk to God a little bit and just ask God to share his anointing with us tonight, all right? Yes. Amen. All right, you can be seated. If you're new, 
If you're new to the Wednesday night Bible study, uh, what we've been doing is taking different topics throughout the book of Proverbs. Uh, there's such a variety and such a, uh, a, a vast uh, a plethora of ideas and thoughts and truths that are given in Proverbs. And we've been going through, taking a topic and running through the book of Proverbs and finding everything we can about that. And tonight, we're going to choose the will of God. The will of God. Uh, why is that important? Why is the will of God important? Uh, George Truett said this, success is defined. Now, how many of y'all like to be successful and, and, and be thought of as a success? It says success is defined as this, recognizing the will of God and trying to perform it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Being, finding, knowing the will of God, being where he wants you to be uh, in fulfilling that. It's also been said, peace is the deliberate adjustment of my life to the will of God. Now, why are we going to have to do that? Because when we are born naturally, when we are born naturally into this world, we're born an enemy to God. It is what it is. We were born sinners. We were born outside the covenant. We were born outside of fellowship and relationship with God. And, and, and so we live a life, uh, really, you know, if you want to be technical, children of the devil. But then when we get saved, we take on a new nature. When we get saved, we, we become children of the king. When we get saved, everything changes in our life. When, when we come to know the Lord as our personal Savior, everything changes. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I mean, everything changes in our life. And one of the main things that needs to change is the direction, the purpose, and listen, the, the whole drive of our life. It changes. Listen. When, when Paul heard of the people at Colossae who had trusted in Christ, the church there, and they were believers and, and, and word was spreading about their faith, this is what he said. He said, when I heard that, when I found that out, when I learned of your faith, he says in verse 9 of Colossians 1, 9, he said, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What does that mean? When he heard of their faith, when he heard that they trusted in Christ, the very first thing he prayed for was that they would know the will of God for their life. Paul, the apostle, thought it that important that the first thing, the most important thing he prayed for was that they'd know God's will for their life. 1 Peter 4, verses 1, or excuse me, verses 4. It says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that ye no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but how shall we live but to the, but to the will of God? You know, no matter how you feel about God's will for your life, whether it's important or whether, you've you got to understand, the only way we're going to be successful, the only way we're going to be fulfilled, the only way we're going to find true happiness uh, is to be in the will of God. David Livingston said, I would rather be in the heart of Africa in the will of God than on the, the throne of England outside of the will of God. Why? Because all of the things that this world has to offer, all of the, the directions this world has to offer, they will leave you empty. But the will of God is the most important thing for our life. Now, I will say this. Uh, the will of God will take you to some scary places. The will of God took David into a valley with a giant who was a man of war from his very youth. Now, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. Uh, David thought about that before he went down there. Now, all the stories, all the Bible teaching, we all, you know, he was excited. He was there, you know, had all the, but I'm telling you, I don't care who he is. David had put his britches on just like we do. And I guarantee you, he thought about that big booger down there. Say amen. And, you know, God's will takes his place as scary. God's will will ask things of us that, that might be a little frightening. I, I, the, the concept of getting up in front of people terrified me. You want me to be a preacher? Oh, no. How? Oh, my goodness. You want me to do this? You want me to do that? Uh, you know, and, and so we have this fear that overcomes us. Well, what if God, I don't want to surrender to God, but what if God makes me do? What if God wants me to? What if God wants me to give up? What, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Are y'all with me? Am I talking to anybody tonight? So we kind of shy away. We kind of want the benefits and we want to go to heaven and, and we want to uh, uh, kind of have an excitement, but we still hold on and we back away and we don't really want to dig too much into the will of God because we're afraid of what it will show us. 
But boy, if I'd have known some of this stuff, oh, mercy. Here's some things I want you to know. Let's, let's go through this, and, and we'll try to go through this kind of speedily. We've got four pages. Hopefully, we'll get them done tonight. But, but there's some things that it, you need to understand when it comes to the will of God. The will of God is not mysterious. The will of God is not complicated. Uh, we make it complicated. We really do. God is not the author of confusion. And if we're staying confused, we're doing something wrong, not him. Some people have the mistaken thought process and idea that God's up in heaven saying, nope, guess again. Nope, that's not it. That's, that's, that's good, though, but nope, that's not it. Have you ever felt that way? Because you try this direction, that seems to fail. You try this direction, and, you know, it, it just seems to be uh, a, a difficult thing. But let's, let, there's, these are real basic things that we need to have and we accomplish. If we do these, I guarantee you'll know the will of God for your life, okay? Y'all ready to get started? Say amen. amen. Number one, it begins with faith. It begins with faith. You've got, you got to have faith. You got, it, it begins with faith. And you say, what does, what does it mean? The Bible said, we just read the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. That's where it begins. That knowing, understanding, accomplishing the will of God begins right there. It starts with faith. Now, what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean to trust in the Lord? Here's, here's what I want you to write down. When we, are, when we say we trust in the Lord, I'm trusting in the Lord, we're affirming these things in our life. A, that we belong to God. Why should I do the will of God? I belong to him. Why should I be obedient to him? I belong to him. He has, he has bought me. Are y'all with me? Psalms 100, Psalms 100 says this. Know ye, know ye that the Lord, and by the way, this will hit you if you're not saved. It's just dawned on me. Uh, you need to do, say, well, I'm, I'm not a Christian, so I shouldn't be obedient to God. Watch this. Psalms 100, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What does that mean? It says it is he that hath made us. We belong to him by creation. He is the owner by reason and way of creation. But, but, it says in 1 Peter, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is, now he's talking to Christians, now he's talking to believers. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, ye, which ye have of God. Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What does that mean? We're his by creation and we're his by conversion. We're his by creation and we're his by conversion. He owns us twice. He is a twofold owner. And it kind of goes, it kind of goes with the new song in Revelation. This is really cool. Don't, it doesn't have nothing to do with the message, but it's it kind of is a cool relation. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, I think verse 11 is the last verse there. It says, Thou art worthy, for thou hast created all things, and all things were created for thy pleasure. They are and were created. In other words, we should give you glory, we should give you praise, we should give you worship, we should honor you because you made us. You spoke us into existence when there was nothing. You made something out of nothing, dug us out of the dirt, formed man, breathed life into him, and he became a living soul, and we belong to you because you made us. But not only that, it says this, they sung a new song. The old song was, he's worthy because of creation. The new song is this in Revelation 5. Thou art worthy for thou hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred, nation, and tongue. And hast made us kings and priests. Are y'all with me? He's Listen, he's worthy because he made me. He's worthy because he saved me. He's worthy because he's the creator of the universe. He is the, listen, he is the author of all life, but he is our savior. He is our redemption. He he is our redeeming king, and he died on the cross and paid the price, so you belong to him. You need to do what he says because you belong to him. If you're a child of God, if you're born again, you belong to him. You're not the boss anymore. You're not in charge anymore. You have no say anymore. He has bought you with a price. Now you belong to him. Hallelujah. Hey, we should, we should trust him. 
Why? Because we belong to him. We need to have faith that we belong to God. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because God's going to take care of what's his. Are y'all with me? Watch this. Watch this. B. Not only are we affirming that we belong to God. Now, this is the one. This is the, these next two are really important that I wish I'd have really got in my head before it came time for me to surrender to the will of God. That God has a plan for our lives. You're saying when you trust the Lord, when you put your faith in the Lord, you're not only affirming that you belong to God, but you're affirming that he has a plan for your life. Not y'all, you. Not America, you. Every individual person in this room, the God of all glory, has a specific, detailed, wonderful, exciting, awesome plan for your life. Well, I'm not a preacher. It don't matter. He's got a plan for you. Watch what the Bible says. Proverbs 19, 21. <clears throat> there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. In other words, his plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts. The word thoughts there means plans. If you'll take that word and look it up, it means plans. For I know the thoughts or the plans that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. What's that mean? What's that mean? It means God has a plan for your life. It is inconceivable that our loving Heavenly Father would give us his son to die for us and then abandon us to our own ways. Now, how crazy does that sound? Do you think the God of all glory would give up his only begotten son to die on an old rugged cross that we could be forgiven and then turn us loose on our own? Watch this. You are a very expensive investment. Now, if that don't help somebody go to sleep tonight, nothing will. I, I mess around with dogs and coon dogs and all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of thing. Hadn't gone in a while, been too busy, but uh, they're, they're really, really, really expensive dogs. That people pay a really, 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 really big amount to get. And you know what they do? They put them in a kennel with padded walls. Hey, you going to hunt that dog this week? Have you lost your mind? Do you know how much I paid for that dog? You say, I got too much invested in that thing just to cut it loose. How much does God have invested in you? The blood of his only son. Now, you think he's just going to cut you loose and let you fend for yourself? He's got a plan. Listen, we are not our own because we've been purchased by God. So it's reasonable that our master should have a perfect plan for us to fulfill for his glory. The talents we were born with and the gifts we received at conversion are brought together by the Holy Spirit so that we can do what God has called us to do. Amen? When we put our faith in the Lord, we trust in him, we're affirming that A, we belong to God, B, that God has a plan for our life, and this is good right here. We're believing and affirming that this plan is the best thing for us. We're affirming that this plan is the best thing for us. How could a holy God will for his children anything less than his best? How could a loving God plan anything that would harm us? We have no reason to fear the will of God because his plans come from his heart. Psalms 33, 11 says this, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Now think about that a minute. God's plan for your life came from his heart. His heart. Unless we see, now here's the deal, underline this, underline this for me if you don't mind. Unless we see the will of God as the expression of love of God, we'll resist it stubbornly or do it grudgingly instead of enjoying it. Underline that. 
unless we see the will of God as the expression of the love of God, we'll resist it stubbornly or do it grudgingly instead of enjoying it. Faith in God's love and wisdom will transform our attitude and make the will of God nourishment instead of punishment. You know what Jesus said in John 4, 34? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He said that to his disciples who had gone into town and got some food and brought it back. Say, hey, we got food for you. He said, you don't understand. Doing the will of God is nourishment to me. Now, how many of us have got to the place in our life where we can say that? The will of God, his perfect will, his perfect plan for my life is nourishment. It's, it's exciting because I know it's coming from his heart. I know it's the very best thing for me. When God was calling me to preach, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I was terrified of it. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do anything but that, anything. I was fearful. I was afraid. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't trust the Lord. And boy, I, I, just to sit down and read this and think, man, if I'd have just had in my head and understood this was coming from the perfect heart of God. God knows me better than anybody in this building. God knows every hair on my head. He knows, he knows every thought in my heart. He knows every detail about who I am and what my makeup is. Now, don't you think he'll know what's going to bring happiness in my life? I tell you now, I can't imagine, I can't imagine me doing anything different than what I'm doing. But boy, when you're on that side, contemplating the will of God, the devil will put everything in the world in front of y'all, won't he? I can imagine people that's gone to Africa, people that's gone to, to Iraq, people that's gone to the Sudan. I, you remember our missionary that with Sat7 that's over there in the Middle East and, 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 and the stories that she told that one day about almost losing her life. I'm thinking, wow, man. But you know what? Before God ever called her, he had a plan. And it's the best. Now, knowing that will help us say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. If it's going to be what's best for me, I'm ready. Now, D, we need to affirm and, and believe that this plan is the best thing for us. Then D, that God will reveal his will in his time. Oh, boy. How many, how many folks in here, how many folks in here will admit it since you're in church and and, and God don't want you to lie in church. Actually, God don't want you to lie anywhere. But how many, how many, be honest with preacher and, and the Lord, because he's listening. How many of you ever got a little impatient with God before? Abraham did. God had given him a promise, said, I got a plan for your life. He got ahead of the Lord. Y'all know the story. Tried to take matters in his own hands and look at the mess we got now. It's easy to get ahead of the Lord. It's easy to say, God, I want, I want, I, I got a plan. I want, you know, Joseph had to, think about how frustrating Joseph's life was. He got a dream from God. God gave him a dream. God gave him a plan. God laid it all out for him. It's bad. You know, it's one thing uh, for God to kind of ease you into the will of God, but it's another thing when he tells you the whole thing before it ever starts, and then you got to wait on it. And all the years that Joseph went through before he got the actual plan of God in his life. Now, I'll say that, but I believe the whole thing was God's plan. Joseph thought the only part of God's plan was sitting on the throne. But God had to get him ready for it. And sometimes the journey is just as much a, of God's will as the destination. Man, I'm teaching tonight. Amen. That's not even in the notes, but I ain't going to charge you for that one. You know what? Since we're on it, I have in my mind when I hit the highway... I'm going to conquer this thing. We, we, we have a destination. The GPS says six hours and 45 minutes. I'm going to beat it. Are y'all with me? If 
I can take interstate, I'm going to take interstate. Any way I can knock off time, any way I'm going to say, I don't want red lights, I don't want anything. And so my, my whole focus is the destination. Somebody told me the other day, they said, Preacher, if you'll take this route, it's a very scenic route. Scenic? I don't care about no scenery. I care about the time, baby, the time. Y'all with me? Is there anybody like me? Please tell me there's somebody in here like me. Amen. Hallelujah. But think about this. Think about this. How much have we missed? You know, I, th- I used to think this right here was the deal. This was the blessing. This was the... But how much of the, the ministry along the way and the experiences along the way, the friendships along the way, the blessings along the way that we miss... Because all we can focus on, all we can focus on is the destination. When God says, be patient. Enjoy where you are because I could get you there tomorrow. But if you're not there tomorrow, you don't need to be there tomorrow. Amen? We need to believe that God will reveal his will in his time. Hebrews 6 verse 12 says, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience, say that with me, through. How, how did they get the promises? Through. Say, say, say it again, because we hate that word, don't we? Say, say it with me, through. For when God had promised to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now we know that's stretching it. Y'all know the story of Abraham. But I believe what the truth is saying there, listen, God's plan for your life is great. But sometimes he wants us to wait a little bit. And he doesn't want you to wait so he can watch you be tortured by waiting. One or two things is going on. Either the place is not ready for you, or you're not ready for the place. All you want to hurry and get married, listen, that's ridiculous. Don't, don't, listen, don't rush into anything. God brought Eve to Adam. God can bring your superhero to you anytime he's ready. And don't settle either. Don't settle for the first turkey that comes and shows you some attention. Don't, don't do that. Wait on God. Listen, listen, and, and some of y'all, that you, you, you're in it, but you want out? Wait. Wait. You might be in the winter time of, of your life right now or the winter time of your relationship right now, but there's something about the winter time. The winter time will drive you to the fire. And it may be that you're struggling in your situation because God's wanting you closer to Him. And, and, and just, just understand God's got a time. God's got a time. Uh, you know, when Jesus came in, to Mary and Martha, they thought he was late. You too late now? He's already dead. You may think your dream's dead. You may think your marriage is dead. You may think your ministry's dead. You may think everything about what, what God has promised you in your life is all, it's, it's dead. It's too late. Hey, Jesus is always on time. But it's dead. He stinks by now. But you don't understand, you're talking to the resurrection. You don't know my husband. I know my Savior, though. Trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. See, see all the stuff that makes sense to you, his, his thoughts are so high. His, his thoughts are so much above our thoughts, we can't even fathom. Don't even try to think you can understand him. Amen. Uh, 
It's through faith and patience that we receive what God's promised. And, and it's as dangerous, now watch this, it's as dangerous to run ahead of the Lord as it is to stubbornly lag behind. Proverbs 19.2 says this, Also that soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. What does that mean? Don't, don't jump ahead of things. Don't, don't, don't get too quick. Don't, don't run ahead of God. Psalms 32, 9 says, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. What's the, what is the horse and the mule? The horse wants to run and just get away from you. The mule will sit down and won't move. Y'all with me? Neither one of them's good. Listen. The horse rushes ahead. Both attitudes are wrong. Even the great apostle Paul didn't always know exactly the way God was guiding. He had to pause in his work and wait for divine direction. Our times are in his hand. And the father is always on schedule. The preacher walked up to a fellow one day and said, what's your problem? He said, my problem is I'm in a hurry, and God ain't. Can anybody relate to that fellow? Man, I don't like waiting. I don't like traffic. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. But sometimes, I, and I even thought about putting this, my notes with this too, because we may do it next week. The subject, weight training. Not W-I-G-H-T. God knows I did enough of that today. Amen. John Beatty, wherever you at, you more help us. You witnessed it, didn't Chris? Amen. I thought Chris would rescue me and take me out, but he left me alone with him. Amen. But weight training, W-A-I-T. Some of us could use a little bit of that, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. Commitment. This is this is a biggie right here, guys. It starts with faith. It starts with faith. We got to believe that God knows what's best for our life. When it comes to the will of God for our life, we got to believe that God has a plan. We got to believe that we belong to Him. We got to believe that that plan is going to be the very best thing for our life. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. Then this is where this is where it's going to get a little tight for us. Because I think the, the majority of Christians are kind of in this, this little part right here. Because I don't believe there's anybody in here that doesn't want to know the will of God. Kind of. But there's only one problem. Now watch this. When we deal with the word commitment, knowing and obeying the will of God, it can't be a half-hearted endeavor on our part. It's not a hobby that we indulge in when there's an emergency or when we feel like it. God wants us to trust him with all of our heart and acknowledge him in all of our ways. Knowing and doing the will of God isn't a spiritual technique that we use occasionally. It, now watch this now, underline this. It's a committed lifestyle that involves everything we do. The will of God will affect your home life. The will of God will affect the workplace. The will of God will affect every area of your life. It will affect your marriage. It will affect your ministry. It will affect how you lead your children. It will affect how you deal with your in-laws. It will affect every area of your life. And if you think that you're going to come to church and God's just going to give you a little tidbit and leave you alone with everything else, you've got, you've got a bad problem. Because when we see and say that he is Lord... That means he is Lord. Are y'all with me? So, two things I want you to write down. First, there's a decision that has to be made. There's a decision that's got to be made. If you're going to know the will of God, there's a decision you've got to make. There's a decision you've got to make. All right, not only that, but there's dedication that must be given. And write those two things down and look at me so I can talk about it. The will of God is isn't a curiosity for us to study it's a command for us to obey god isn't obligated to reveal his will unless we're willing to do it y'all hear that 
God isn't obligated to reveal his will unless we're willing to do it. Now, everybody knows, everybody knows Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Everybody knows that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Watch this. That ye may prove what is that good and perfect acceptable will of God. And what does that mean? There's two things there. The first one and verse two. All right. First, a decision is made in verse one. A sacrifice is made. There's no rights anymore. There's no choices anymore. There's no variables anymore. You're saying, I'm making a choice. I'm making a decision. I'm selling out. Here I am. God, whatever, whenever, however, I'm laying myself on the altar for whatever you want for my life. I'm making a decision. It's yours. Y'all with me? See, you can't go to verse 2. Everybody wants to accomplish verse 2. Everybody wants to prove the will of God. Everybody wants to know the will of God. Everybody wants to be aware of the will of God. But what we're doing, we're sitting out here on the outside trying to see if we can figure it out and see what the will of God is before we decide to do it. Well, I kind of want to know what it is so I can decide whether I'm going to do it or not. You're never going to know it then. Because it takes commitment first. It takes a decision first. It takes the sacrifice first. It takes the choice first. God's not going to tell you unless you make the decision to do it. One comes before the other. Amen. Now, we want to figure it out. God, go ahead and lay it on me so I can decide whether I'm going to go that route or not. Because, see, we're not on the altar. We're not on the altar. We don't want to get on the altar. That might cost us something. That might cost us something. How many of y'all, y'all have had your small group already? Has Christianity cost you anything? Well, that was a sobering video, wasn't it? You see, you can't prove the will of God. You can't know the will of God. You can't experience the will of God and understand till we make that decision. God, it's you. God, I surrender. Um... Successful athletes make winning their full-time pursuit. This shows up in the way they eat, sleep, exercise, and relate to their coaches and teammates. The word for this is commitment. This commitment, as we read in, in Romans 12, is another familiar passage. And before I can prove what God's will is and discover that will is good, pleasing, and perfect, I must give him my body, my mind, my will, a total commitment of my total being. This is a once and for all presentation, but it needs to be renewed daily as we meet the Lord in worship and prayer. The Hebrew word translated acknowledge in Proverbs 3, 6 carries with the idea of intimate communion and is used to describe the marriage relationship. Whenever I find myself distant from my father, then I know that I've allowed something to enter my life that is not in the sphere of his will. Since the will of God comes from the heart of God, it ought to draw my heart closer to him. Listen, uh, Brother Travis is here tonight. I remember a night at my house in Lakewood Park, Florida, about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, I don't know, it was late, probably later than that. Uh, and we were talking and talking and talking and talking, and he was frustrated and, and, and just with his Christian life and and, and trying to figure some stuff out, just seemed confused and confused. I said, son, is the Lord calling you to preach? His eyes got that big around. We talked a little while and talked a little, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I said, look, go home. Am I exaggerating this? Am I right so far? I said, go home because I wanted to go to bed. He thought I was being spiritual, but I wanted to go to bed, amen. I said, go home, and this is what I need you to do. God's not up in heaven wanting you to guess. Just ask him. I said, but your heart has to be willing before you do. Because if he knows you're not going to do it, he's not going to tell you. And I said, if you'll ask him, he'll tell you. If you really want to know, he'll tell you. If you have a surrendered heart, he will tell you. Ask him specifically. And he'll tell you, that's good, that's plain. I said, adios. 
I go down and get in bed. It ain't 15 minutes. <laughs> He's standing in front of me, wide as a ghost. Eyes that big around. I got down the road and I asked him. I said, son, you didn't listen. I said, wait till you get home. <laughs> I said, what did he say? He said, yes. And he's excited, and I'm excited. And I said, man, that's great. Yeah. I said, how do you feel? Man, I feel so much better. I said, well, we need to call dad. We've got to make a plan. Oh, no. <laughs> it's amazing when you, when you admit and you surrender to the will of God how how much peace you get and then when you got to go forward with it then the fear comes back amen but it's it's the deal but see he had to get in his life and get into a place in his life where he was okay and see so many christians struggle with this not because not because they don't necessarily know the will of god they haven't come to a place where they're surrendered to it yet and they're struggling with verse one they want verse 2, but they can't get verse 1 down. But I promise you this, if you, will, if you will focus on point number one of this thing and know that God's got your best interest at heart and everything he'll do for you is right and good and awesome and he's got an awesome plan for your life, laying it down won't be a problem. Amen? We see a decision has to be made. Then we see... Dedication. This is a full-time deal. God, listen. Uh, the will of God is not a. It's not a hobby. It's not a hobby situation. If you want to know the will of God, it, you got to be all in. Say that with me. I have to be all in. all in. Number three. Number three. Knowing the will of God is going to take instruction. It's going to take instruction. Listen. We can never find the will of God outside of the pages of this book. Don't ever let some turkey come up to you. Don't ever let some turkey come up to you and say, hey, I've got a new revelation that's not in his word. If it don't line up with his word, he's got indigestion. <laughs> Are y'all with me? So the, if, if we're going to know the heart of God, we need to know the mind of God. And God's word is his mind on paper. You say, well, his mind, but this is all the mind he wants you to know. You can't even handle this much. But we can't know the heart of God outside of knowing the mind of God. So we need instruction. Amen? Three things I want you to write down under here. A, I want you to write down explanation. You need to keep doing what you're doing tonight. You need to keep coming and feeding on God's word and, and being instructed in the word of God. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son heareth his father's what? instruction but a scorner here is not rebuke proverbs 4 13 take fast hold of instruction let her not go keep her for she is thy life man isn't that a powerful statement instruction is your life it's how you're going to make it proverbs 9 9 says give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser teach a just man and he will increase in learning in order to trust the lord we have we must have his word to instruct us because faith comes by and hearing by the scripture is that which generates and nourishes faith in our hearts and we can depend on his word. Sometimes you'll find that the person that's struggling the most is neglecting the word of God the most. Not all the time. Not all the time. Sometimes people struggle. But the majority of the time, it comes from that. Well, listen, it's not only explanation we need through instruction, but we need application. Write that word down. Because the explanation don't do any good unless you have some application. You can buy the salve at the pharmacy, but if you don't apply it to the wound, it's not going to work. Y'all with me? Most of the situation, now, now, now here's where it gets real practical, guys. Most of the situations, opportunities, and decisions the average person encounters in life are already dealt with in the Word of God. 
consult a topical index of the Bible or even the book of Proverbs and you'll see how thoroughly Scripture deals with the practical affairs of life. In other words, there's books that you can buy that you can take one topic, just one word, one topic you want to deal with, and it'll show you all the places in the Bible that deal with that one topic. That's what an index topic is. And, and you'll see how God deals all the time with basic issues of life. Now, with that being said, with that being said, of course, we can't expect the Bible to specifically tell us the name of the person we should marry, which job we should accept, what car we should buy, or where to spend our vacation. I don't know what chapter and verse them are in, do you? But, watch this, watch this. But if we're saturated with God's wisdom and sincerely seeking His will, we'll be ready for Him to guide us by His Spirit in the providential circumstances of life. What does that mean? When you're walking so close to God that his still small voice sounds like a roaring lion. You know, you know, this Bible may not tell you the name of the person you marry, but it sure describes the type of person you need to marry. It may not, it may not tell you what model of car, but it'll tell you what kind of debt not to get into. It may not tell you the name of your friends, but it'll tell you what kind of influence you need to have and not need to have around your life. Does that make sense? Amen. Application. Then C, write this word down, prayer. Prayer is as much a part of the Scriptures as anything. There's another factor involved, and that's prayer, because the Word of God and prayer go together. Underline that. The Word of God and prayer go together. John 15, 7 says this. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That's a pretty good promise. We need to be saturated in the word so that, how many of y'all want to have an effective prayer life? I, I want my prayers heard, but I'd like for my prayers to be answered. Amen? Hey, it goes together. It goes together. It shows it in Proverbs 28, 9. Watch this. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Do you hear that? In other words, if we, if we you know, turn our nose up at the, the teaching of the word of God and live a lifestyle that's outside of that, God's going to look down and say, really? You're asking me for what? Oh, come on. No, no, no. Look up the word abomination. The word means disgust. In other words, if we treat the word of God one way and then we come to God and ask for stuff, he's going to be disgusted. I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. It might be because you're shacking up. I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. It might be because you got bitterness in your heart because somebody hurt you and now you got a grudge against him and you won't let it go. I don't know why God won't hear my prayer. It might be because you're sniffing around getting drunk all the time. Bible says something about drunkenness. It might be you won't shut up and stay off the phone and quit gossiping about people. I am. Why do we think God is this Hollywood figure, this old man upstairs with heart of hearing? When he knows every thought we have. He doesn't just know our actions. He knows why we did it. That's convicting to me. I mean, I, I, I'm getting nervous just talking about this. But God says, why, do you, why would you have the audacity to come to me and ask me for something when you're turning your nose up at my word, when you're doing something you know that displeases me? He says it. Let me read it again. I'm just, I'm just giving you Bible, people. Proverbs 28, 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. The word translated law in this verse is Torah, which means instruction. 
If I won't listen to God's instruction, why should God listen to my petition? Amen? Number four, counsel. I need y'all to really perk up and pay attention right here because I've got just a few minutes, and this is really important. This is really important. Counsel is important. It's really important. But, but the problem is is some of us are not getting good counsel. All right, first I want you to write down this. I want you to see the source of counsel. Really, the first source of counsel should be from Christian parents. We should honor our father and mother, period. Uh, I know we all don't have the privilege of, of, of uh, having Christian parents and, and that type of thing, but regardless of the fact, it doesn't say honor your father and mother if they're good people. It just says honor them. Now, they might not always have good advice, but even if they don't give you good advice, it's, we're still required to honor them. Amen? But then the Bible talks about having counsel from good Christian friends. Iron sharpeneth iron. Y'all with me? Now, now watch. Now watch. Uh, Christian friends can listen, counsel, and pray. Proverbs 27, 9 says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by a hearty counsel. What does that mean? When, when you have a friend that gives you good advice and good counsel and, 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 and helps you with things, it's like a sweet-smelling perfume. It's a good thing. Uh, Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What does that mean? A, a friend will tell you what you want to hear, even if he knows it's going to hurt you for a short time, but to help you. Are y'all with me? Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The sparks may fly, but God will give us the light that we need. I have a preacher buddy of mine that we go back and forth. One day I'm, I need him, and one day he needs me, and and, and, and just happened to be this week, he was asking me stuff, and I was in his grill, straight up just saying. I knew it, I knew it didn't feel comfortable, and I knew, but I knew he loves me and I love him, and I'm not going to tell him nothing that's not going to, listen, be the best for him. And he's done that to me, and I needed to hear it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't want to hear it, but it was for my best interest. Now, we need people like that around us. Now, but like I said, there's a problem. Everybody and their brother likes to give advice. Everybody does. Everybody likes to hear themselves talk. They're going to give advice whether you ask for it or not. But that's not good. That's not good. These guys at the Coon Club giving advice to this young man come in talking about being married, just barely. They say, well, I wouldn't do it. Been, been married two or three times. Want to tell somebody, man, shut up. <laughs> don't, just, just hush. That's why you're here all night and you don't want to go home, amen? Just, just hush. I tell you what, if my husband did that, no, sister, you need to hush too. It's just some counsel that's not good. It's not good. Let me help you with it. Uh, how are we going to distinguish that? This is, this is B, stipulations to counsel. We talked about the source of counsel. Uh, there's, there's good pastors. There's good friends. There's, there's good counselors, Christian people. Now, not every friend is a good counselor, so we must choose wisely. It takes a counselor with loving patience and a discerning spirit to help us see what lies deep within our hearts. Here's three things I want you to write down. Because, see, you, you may have a guy that's smart, but he might not care about you. So here's, here's, my, here's my list, if you will. Before I'm going to hear them, here, here's my list. First, they got to be saved. They got to be saved. Why, preacher? Because when I'm talking to somebody about money, he may have he may he may be the smartest guy in the world about money, but he may be he may be uh, uh, wicked and not honest, and and his advice may not be what it needs to be. So I'm gonna talk to a saved person. This person has to know Jesus; they have to be saved. But then, two, 
They have to be uh, spiritual. They have to be spiritual. Every saved person ain't spiritual. Y'all with me? Am I right? If you don't believe it, you can be wrong. That's your choice. Hey, every spiritual person ain't always spiritual. You may have some of you have a lot of confidence in, but at the point in their life, they may not be at a spiritual place where they can give you counsel. And guess what? If you're there, you need to be honest enough to say, look, I can't help you right now. I got my own issues and I got my own problems I'm dealing with. Man, I, I, I just don't think I can. And you know, if you're a real friend, you would do that. They got to be saved. They got to be spiritual. Number three, they got to be scriptural. So many people get irritated when they come to my office because I go quoting scripture to them. And this is, this, is what, <laughs> this is what I hear. Three minutes. Are you serious? Did y'all start that early? Uh, I hear this a lot. Well, preacher, I know what that verse says, but I feel. Look, feelings will lead you astray. You can feel in love with the wrong person. You could feel strongly about the wrong idea. But feelings will change with the weather. Ask them newlyweds. They all just all lovey-dovey and they all about each other. And, and, and it's just, I mean, you, it's just sickening. But you give them about six months. Say amen. amen. I tell you what, I don't know what in the world I'm married. Bless God. Amen. Listen, if they can't back up their advice and their counsel with God's word, you've got the wrong counselor. Because, see, my opinion and your opinion is, is, has no authority. And I can't guarantee it is good. But if I ever take my Bible and I say, let me show you what the Bible says about your situation right here, you can take that to the bank. Y'all with me? All right, let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Then there's the shame in counsel. This is, this is going this is gonna to bust some of y'all. It sure is. While it's usually true that a multitude of counselors assures a wise decision, to give several examples, at the same time, we must avoid running from friend to friend asking for advice. Why? This may indicate that we're trying to find somebody who will tell us what we want to hear. Mmm. Mmm. Everybody say it. Mmm. Preacher, I need to talk to you. I done talked to so and so and so. What'd they tell you? That's what I tell you. A lot of times when people go from person to person to person, they're not trying to find counsel, they're trying to find agreement. And they're gonna keep looking till they hear what they want to hear. And then that was the right one. People giggling because they know what I'm talking about. Are y'all with me? Hey, if they're saved, if they're spiritual, if they're scriptural, they ain't taking the Bible and show you something, ain't no sense in going nobody else. Ain't no sense. Listen, just stick with the book. Let's stick with Jesus. Amen? Write these two things down, and I got to quit. I'm two seconds over time. You can read it when you get home. <laughs> Two things, write this down. When it comes to the will of God, we need to pray, we need to read our Bible, we need to, we need to be up on the Word. We need to trust God that His will is perfect for our life. We need to make that decision to commit. Lord, I'm in, regardless, wherever, however, I'm in, and He will reveal it. But here's the thing. We see man's responsibilities. You see... You know that saying, let go and let God. Now, that's kind of cool saying. 
And I've heard preachers say it and preach it and all that kind of stuff. But there's a little more to it than that. I, I, I see people, I'm going to just quit my job and trust God to help me. I'm going to let go and let God. Now, you let go of your sense. That's what you let go of. God wants us to use common sense, and he wants us to get all the information. Let's say we're trying to make a decision about a job. Let's say we're trying to make a decision about a job. It's up to us to gather all the information we can. The Bible says, he that, that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a shame and a folly on them. It's foolish to him. If we don't get all the information, if we don't gather everything we can about it, we need to do everything we can to get all the information and to be wise about the deal. And then we take that plan to God and trust his sovereignty with it. Okay, God, this is all the information. This is all the, the stuff I, I've come up with. This is the job. This is the salary. This is the place. This is the state. And I've got a good plan. And, 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 and we need to plan. We don't need to be foolish. We need to plan. We need to do everything we can. But then we need to submit that plan to God and surrender to his direction in it. Because that job may give you $10 more an hour, but there may not be a good church within 100 miles of that place. Hey, this woman may be a good woman, but God knows something about her you don't. Y'all with me? Let me, let me read something real quick. Just, are, are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? We must never think that in dealing, determining the will of God uh, that the believer is passive and only the Lord is active. Uh, as we seek to know God's will, we must gather all the facts we can and assess them because our decision must be based on knowledge, say that with me, based on and not hearsay. Proverbs thirteen sixteen. every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. he didn't answer a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. Proverbs fourteen eight. the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. We must take the time for honest look at the facts. But then we take our plans to God. God expects us to use our brains and make plans, but he also expects us to submit those plans to him and let him make the final decision. Proverbs 16, 1, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Watch this. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. If we're yielded to the Lord and our plans are not his plans, he will show us what's right and steer us away from what's wrong. Are y'all with me? A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Let me give you one illustration. Hurry quickly. Listen quick, and I'm going to talk fast. Three minutes overtime. Before I came, before I came to Alabama, there was a church in Okeechobee, Florida, that was calling me, wanting me to come be the pastor. Uh... That was around my home. I had family there. I had friends there. Bass fishing capital of Florida, 30 minutes from the ocean. Somebody give me a witness right there. I mean, it was home. I got the beach on one side, Lake Okeechobee on the other. I mean, I mean, come on. Are y'all with me? Bass fishing, coconut and crab legs. I mean, what you, come on. Man, I wanted to go bad. I talked to them people, went down there and preached. The whole deal. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, boy, I was making plans. And I wanted it bad. But when I took my plans to the Lord, he said, no, that's, that's, not, that's not for you. I said, but Lord, it's Okeechobee Lake. Got family there. Uh, the beach, you know, uh, uh, Okeechobee Lake, Lord. Have y'all ever tried to convince God of something? No, y'all too spiritual for that, ain't you? God said, no, no. And God knew what he was doing. Because he changed the plan. I had gathered all the facts, but he changed the plans. And it was no, 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 no. I'll say this. When I came here, I had people tell me, this is not the place for you. I mean, 
I mean, a high up person. Said, you know, I, th- I don't think that's a place. It's one of them, you know, I just, I just don't think that's a place for you. I said, okay. I've been stubborn most of my life, so it, you know. I got all the facts, and I came to the Lord. He said, yep, this is it. This is it. And you see, we can gather all the facts, and we need to, and God wants us to, and we should. Can't walk around foolish when it comes to things. But we've got to be willing to say, okay, God, is this the one? Is, is this the purchase? Is this, is this the wife you want or the husband you want? Is, is this the direction you want? Is this the job you want? Is this the step you want? God, what, what, what do you want? I've done all the homework. God, here's all the information. And, and God will lead you the right way. Sometimes the yeses in my life have been a little sketchy. They've been a little cloudy because I think God wants us to step out in faith. I can't always say all the yeses been, you know, I've heard people say, I tell you, I 100,000% sure knew this. I've never been that way. But I tell you what, I can say this. The no's, there's, there's, when God says no, it's loud and clear. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right. Sorry we went over time, but y'all didn't listen fast enough. All right, let's all stand. Everyone stand. We're going to pray. Man, I had a good time tonight. How about y'all? Now, now listen. Now, listen. I'm going to just warn you. I'm going to just warn you. Next week, it's, it's going to be tight because it's going to talk about everyday sins. We're going to talk about drunkenness. We're going to talk about gossip. We're going to clean the roaches out the building. Say amen. So, so I see how big this crowd is. Now, if you don't show up, I'm going to know you're guilty. All right? So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Hey, how many of y'all will help us pray? Help us pray for this Not a Fan series and the message coming up. This, hey, it's serious, isn't it? I mean, we're getting down to it. So let's pray that God will bless us and help us. And, and I thank God for y'all being here tonight. Amen. Lord, help us to acknowledge and accept and accomplish your will for our life, every day of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good night, everybody.